JT here. Welcome to the huddle. The huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to the podcast. I had a great friend, great teaching and coaching colleague who would often say that variety is the spice of life. So I wanted to add some spice to the huddle this week. So I went and created a masterclass on culture. So the question I have for you is, what does culture mean to you? And culture means lots of different things to different people. And it's one of those words that gets thrown around a lot in sport. But what I've come to learn is the most successful teachers, coaches, leaders are ones that have a great culture. I had a great coach and mentor who helped me to understand that culture is simply group habit. What is a habit? A habit is a fixed idea. What is a fixed idea? It is simply a thought that has been repeated over and over and over and has become emotionalized. So really, when you peel back the layers of the proverbial onion, it great culture starts with a great thought. And that at the end of the day is what we truly have control over in our lives, the ability to choose your next thought. That's free will, baby. So what I've done this week in the huddle is I have recycled and repurposed five great conversations I had in the huddle with five great leaders who really understand what it means to create a great culture. I just want to thank again, Coach Cercelli, Coach Mills, Coach Snyder, Coach Annett, and Coach Reed for sharing their wisdom, for sharing their lived experience, and for helping all of us to shift our perspective on what culture is and why a great culture always creates great results. And before we go into the huddle, I just want to remind you that the mind is like a parachute. 
it works best when it's wide open. So my challenge to, to you is to go all in on this conversation, to remove any potential distractions and get laser focused on the here and the now. And I guarantee you, you will gain a valuable nugget of wisdom that will not only help you succeed in sport, but more importantly, in the game of life. Happy listening, everyone. The one thing that, you know, looking back at your journey, and, and we talked about this earlier, was really this idea around family and, and culture. And, and those are words that, you know, uh, can get often used in sports. They're, they sometimes are used as very cliche. But I'm curious, how has the rule, like family and the idea of, of creating culture, how has that been, like, how have you developed that during your time at, at Windsor? Yeah, I think early on when, when this opportunity presented itself, it was, okay, we're, we're going into a challenging situation. Um, how are we going to go about it? And the first thing is you, you got to make sure you have good people around you. And um, from my standpoint, having a great influence from my father and, and also my, my younger brother, it was, hey, if I'm going to be doing this, I can't do it alone. I, I'm going to need to have you guys come on board for this. People that you trust that, that are like-minded. And that was the first part. And then it's, okay, how are we going to now build this, this blueprint? Um, because we want to attract people to a place that maybe is not as popular, or it's easy for other schools to, to take shots at a city, at a program, at an institution. So it was this idea of family. And the, the thing with family, like you said, it's, it's overused so many times because people say, well, we're not really a team, we're a family. You can say that, but you got to actually follow through with it. And for us, it was, what are those core values? So no matter what happens, we will never veer away from what, what we are. And that was what love, serve, and care. And that's where that came from. Because we said, what's most important in our family? Um, and it was love, serve, and care. And when we talk about love, it's understanding that if you really love someone, and it's that agape, it's that unconditional love you're going to push them as hard as they, they can be pushed both on and off the field. And it's, it's not always going to be fun. Like at times it's, it's tough love and you're pushing someone to be the best. You're not going to be saying it's okay to be mediocre here, driving people to, to their limit. But at the same time, knowing that over the course of four to five years, however long someone's in school, there's going to be adversity. We have to be there to put our arm around their shoulder and be that support. Because love being unconditional, it can't just be when it serves us well in football. And we look at football, really, we're, we're talking about three months of the year. What's happening for those other nine months? There's, there's got to be more of a presence. So that's where that love part came from. The, the serve was this servant leadership, knowing that it, it often bothered me when, when coaches would make comments like, you know, I could be at home right now, or I could be doing this and almost guilting players. It's like, but that's your choice. For us, it's, we need people who understand it's not about what can you do for me as a coach. It's I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make things better. And it might be my background in education that, that made a big part of that, but it's, you're coming here and I'm doing everything I can to make it better for you. That's what my role is. And that's not to say, you know, the players run the show, but 
How am I going to make it the best experience possible for you? Because that's ultimately what I want to do when I'm serving you. And when you have all your coaches or administrators and support staff showing that, now the players have an example. Now the players say, okay, this is what the coaches, this is what the staff is doing for me. How do I now reciprocate that back in the community? And that's where this whole push to, to, to really be this, this program that served the city came from. How am I going to go out and volunteer and help with this organization, raise money for this organization, raise awareness here? Because our guys have to understand, yes, we want you to have a degree when, you, when it's time to move on. And yes, it's great to put on a resume that from this varsity athlete. But if you can have four to five years of volunteer work and make this laundry list of connections, not only is that going to serve you well when it's time to move on to the next part of your life, but now you've created this whole new network of people that you can tap into just because you said, I'm going to go out and, and make something better for somebody else, or everything doesn't just evolve around me. I'm here to serve other people. So that's a big part of that, that serve part. And, and the last one is the care. And a lot of times I don't explain to our players, they say, well, isn't, isn't care the same as love? It's like, no, 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 no. Care is the action word. Care is this verb of, I'm going to give you my most precious commodity, which is time. And, and when we talk about where we're, we are as a society right now, how to unify, we've got to give people more time. If we really want to understand where different cultures come from, if we want to understand where different people and what their thoughts and opinions are, we need to give them time to understand. And we may not agree with what, what their stance is or their opinion, but by saying, you know what, I'm going to give you time and I'm going to really care about what you have to say, you bring people closer together. And it's showing this empathy that, yes, I'm the same as you and we may not be on the exact same path and we may not have had the same upbringing or same experiences, but as a person, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to be there to support you as best as I can. And that's really where that came from. And knowing where love, serve, care is now as coaches, whether it's recruiting or coaching or fundraiser, meeting with alumni, you know that you can always go back to this foundation of what it means to be family, but you, you, you're, not, you're not just coming up with a line. There's something deep rooted here that you're going to constantly be working back towards. And, and that was a big part of what we wanted to create when we got here about, yes, it's family, but how do we make it deeper rooted than that? And, and, and that was a big part with Love, Serve, Care. You know, it's interesting, Coach. Again, you, you, you talked about the power of sport. And one of the things is I think it, it builds in this inherent, like it, it, it helps you to understand the, the value of having great coaches and mentors in your life, right? The ability to, to, to receive the, the love tough sometimes, right? The high expectations. Um, one of the things I've really come to appreciate about you is one, um, anyone that's been around Essex Ravens knows you have a, a large coaching staff, right? You have a lot of support around you. Um, what I really love though, is a lot of the former athletes come back as coaches after, right? And, and they help support you that way. So, so, so I'm curious, has that been a conscious one to bring them back? Or is that just something where they have such a good experience? They just want to continue to be a part? I think a little bit of both, you know, I do definitely always talk to our kids. So listen, guys, I said, you know, football for me changed my life, football and wrestling. And, and, you know, and that's what we're trying to do with our guys is, and I said, when you have an opportunity to give back, it's extremely important you give back. Um, everybody has a little bit different experience. Everyone has a different uh, look at the way football went or, or, or gained different things out of football. And, and you know, um, 
I, I just think you take whatever it is you got and you you pay it forward a little bit and, and you help these young men out and and you and you try and um you know again make them positive members of society make them great young men and and I use football as simply the reward to taking care of your business off the field, right? At home, in school, in public. Um, you know, you take care of that stuff, the rest of it takes care of itself. And football is simply, again, the, the reward or the opportunity to, to you know, um, to, to be able to say, hey, I'm taking care of my business. If you don't take care of your business there, you're not going to play at our place. You're going to watch and you're, you're going to, you know, until you get on board and, and it's just not going to happen, right? So I use football as a tool to to try and get the most out of each and every young man. And we, I have had a few young ladies that have played. So that, that that's the biggest thing for me is just to try and make them understand that, listen, what happens here is just a small part of your life. It's what happens off the field that is the biggest part of your life, right? And I love how you share that, right? Like you talk about, you know, the, the successes, right? The wins, the championships, like those are, those are great, but it's more about doing the little things well. And, and one thing coach, I, I, I've always come to appreciate again, coaching against you, um, being able to just have our conversations at many events, just being able to observe is I love the attention to detail with like simple things. And, and, you know, some might call it old school. I love the fact that I can watch your team. They run and run on and off the field, right? It's like, you know, and I rem I'm reminded of coach Taylor saying, Hey, you know what, you run till you get to the sideline or little things like, you know, um, I remember handing out awards at the fall cup, your coach, uh, your players are like, thank you, coach. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Shaking hands, like little things like that. So I'm curious, are those things that you consciously have, have embedded in the program or are these just ones that. No, 100%. We yeah. talk about that stuff all the time, JT. I mean, it, uh, you know, our, our kids are very, very fortunate. I think more fortunate than most programs. There's very few programs that have wear our own team doctor, team trainer, team chiropractor, team massage therapist. We have all equipment guys for our kids come in. If their equipment is broken, they take it to our equipment guys. It gets fixed. Uh, they don't have to fix it. They don't have to haul water. They don't have to pick up bags. However, you know, they do know that when you're done with your stuff, you put it back in there. You put the water jug back in the, in the holder. You put the equipment back nice and neat. You don't throw it all over. You don't leave crap laying all over. Um, because again, it, you know, it, they're not here to clean up after you. They're simply here to help you. Uh, but the expectation is, is you're going to pull your part as well. You know, and, uh, and our kids know that. And, and, and they're very, very much appreciative for everything they do. And, and thank you comes from our coaches comes from myself like um I, I would never put an expectation on my on my kids that I wouldn't do myself um you know I've hauled water I picked up bags um you name it I still do it and my equipment guys say coach you don't have to do that I said it's okay I don't mind doing it you know I, I, I'll give you the one story it was funny I took my coaching staff I used to do a lot of guest coaching at the University of Michigan um and Jim Herman was a good friend of mine and when Lloyd Carr and all those guys were there and, and I remember Jim Herman Jim Herman probably made about $700,000 a year when he was at Michigan as a defensive coordinator. And he was walking from uh, the main field or not the main field, the main practice area across over to the, uh, to the um, indoor track facility. And there was a piece of garbage on the ground and he bent down and picked up the piece of garbage. And I said to my coach, I said, guys, you see that? I said, here's a guy who's making $750,000 not his job to pick up that piece of garbage. There's people that do that, but you know what? He knows that probably people are watching him. And that's a small thing that makes him great right there. Picking up the piece of garbage, you put it in his pocket and he continued on. And I, and I, you know, I just think that you can't expect kids and players to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And, and, and I, and you talk to any of my kids, they know that I will do anything in regards to, 
um, hauling wire, picking up garbage, picking up bags, uh, fixing equipment. I've done it all. I, I, you know, I'm not just head coach. I've done every single thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think in order to be show an example, you've got to do those type of things in order. If you want kids to do it, you got to, you know, you got to do it yourself. And, yeah. and there's times where I run with my kids um, and they say, coach, what are you running for? I said, listen, because I, if you, if I expect you to run, I'm going to do the same thing you guys do. Yeah. And they can't say no. They won't say no. They say, if coach is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and you'd be surprised how much more you get from your kids just doing simple things like that. You know, because they, they won't, they will not do, they will not say I'm not doing it. Like if they see our coaches and, and a lot of times, a lot of our coaches jump in just because it, it's just a simple thing that, that just kind of self-motivates kids to do even more. Right. Yeah. One thing that, that you mentioned coach was in terms of clear messaging. And that is one thing I, I've definitely learned being around and being coaching with coaching against the best coaches have clear messages. Right. And, and coach McKay, I had him on here a few weeks ago and he talked about pillars and and values, whatever you want to call them. So in terms of communicating a clear message, what are the core values pillars that you really look for uh, in your program? Yeah. uh, You know, first I I believe like you got to figure out, what type of person you're looking for. And it, it obviously has nothing to do with the way, you know, somebody looks or anything like that, or how big and strong they are. It has more to do with just what's their makeup, what are their values. So you got to define that. And that's what we've done. You know, we call it an OKG. I know we were talking about it before, but it's, you know, our kind of guy or our kind of Gail. And um, it's, it, it's the type of person we're looking to bring in. And that for us is, is made up of three things. And an OKG is a guy that is driven to graduate. So if we're recruiting you and we're bringing you in, or if you want to stay on this team, you have to show us that your commitment to graduate graduate is real. You know, you're a summer course guy, you're a study hall guy. Um, You can map out that graduation. You are sitting down with people to see your graduation tree. If football is taken away from you or it's not going well, you're staying put and you're driving towards graduation. We want the guys that have kind of two wheels on the road, a little bit of balance. You know, they've got their sport, but they've also got the academic piece because football doesn't always go the way you want it. There's, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. You put your heart into it and it doesn't necessarily love you back every day. Um, but we don't want guys who, you know, they can't get out of bed because football is not going well. They're getting out of bed because they, they're driving to graduation. So that's big for us. And, and it's sincere. You know, we've had to actually kind of ask players to step back from football because, they're not on pace to graduate and, and this isn't working. So the next thing we look for after that driven to graduate piece, because that ensures that you, you have balance and that you're committed to the four to five year process. Um, and then the next thing is we look for is guys who are passionate about the process of football and that's preparation, right? The process of football is, is preparation. Like, you know, I don't know the exact math cause I'm not a math guy, but let's say 95% of your university football career is spent getting ready for the game. It's not playing the game. It's getting ready for the game. And, you know, that might be an understatement, to be honest. Um, so if it, we believe if you get a team full of guys who love to get better at football, you're going to be pretty good. And if you get a bunch of guys who just love to play the game, you know, the eight games a year, uh, you, you'll lead the league in high fives and tinted visors, but you won't win very many games. So you got to prove to us that you love, you know, weight rooms in February, you love film, film meetings, you know, on a Thursday night and you love 
you know, I say stretch warm in October, you know, when it's the wind's going through your helmet, it's raining, you're not dressing, you know, it's Tuesday and you got to love that stuff. So that's big for us. I, I, it's the preparation piece that we had talked about. And then ultimately the third thing that makes up the type of person we're looking for is respectful and responsible. We want the guys who are, you know, going to be respectful to people, women on campus, you know, professors, coaches, te- um, you know, staff at the university, community members, their teammates, you, you name it, and, and uh, just make responsible decisions, those types of decisions where they think, hey, is this going to have a negative impact on my future? Is this something that's going to impact our team? And would my family be proud of this? You know, and if, if you're running into some doubt in any, then don't do it, you know, just find something else to do. So that's what we consider to be an OKG. And we take time to define that. And we're serious about it. Like we're, we're pretty serious about it. And, and the guys know that. And, uh, and then after you define what type of person you want in the program and you're going to bring in, uh, and you can't, you can't veer from that. Um, you got to, I think you got to define, you know, what are you going to be about? Like, what are they going to get from you? What are they really, if they could learn one thing, what are they going to learn? Or if you really want them to focus and give you one thing all day, every day for us, it's reliability. You know, I, I want people I can count on, you know, the speed's great. I love it. Power explosiveness. It's great. You know, if you can run, but if we can't count on you to run, then it doesn't matter. You know, if you know, football JT, it's, in the fourth quarter of the biggest game of your life, what's really going to allow you to have success is looking next to you, knowing that you believe that guy's, you can rely on him. He's going to be deep if he's supposed to be deep. And when you're calling plays, you know, when the game's on the line, you're not throwing it to your fastest guy. You're throwing it to the guy who you know is going to, is going to run the right route and catch it. And if he needs to break it off, he's going to break it off. You want the guy you can rely on. And uh, I know that as a, as a, as a quarterback, uh, you know, in my playing days, reliability is huge. You want the guys in the huddle that you can count on and your teammates ultimately want the guy at quarterback that they can count on. So reliability is everything. And um, we give the guys a tool for it. You know, when things are important to us, we create systems for them. We don't just hope they happen or talk about them. So the system for reliability is what we call the ABCs and A is always show up. We tell them their availability is their best ability. You know, you can run, but if you're not there to run, it doesn't matter. So just always show up. B is to be on time and early is on time. Our team's pretty great at, uh, you know, showing up early, getting ready, being ready. And, uh, and then C is communicate beforehand if you can't do A or B. So if you're unable to be there and you can't be on time, you got to let us know beforehand. And if you can't, then there's got to be some consequences, you know, if you can't use those ABCs. But we believe if you, if you utilize that ABC tool in everything you're doing, whether it's your, you know, your, your uncle's birthday party that you said you were going to or it's your, your football practice, you know what people are going to start to think about you? They can count on you. They think you're reliable because you're always there. You're always on time. And if not, you're going to communicate with them. So those are some of the things we've done in terms of defining, uh, you know, what we're looking for and what we're going to be about. And then ultimately the mentality now that we have, which I'm a big believer in mentality, the mentality that we try to get our players to, 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 to go about their businesses with is what we call attack and finish. So, you know, we, we have a, a Friday, you know, in the, in the winter, we have a Friday morning, early morning, full team attack and finish day every Friday morning. Um, it's up in the locker room and it is all day in on the practice field. If you're going to do something, then attack, it. you know, don't tippy toe into the dragon's den, go in sprinting with a spear screaming your, your lungs out. So we want guys who jump in and attack things. And then we say, if you started it, then you got to finish it. So it's about attack and finish. Go, go, go until the coaches pull you back is what we say. So 
Um, and, and the guys do a great job with that. And then ultimately our standard, you know, is, um, is the best right now. So we're trying to be the best right now. We're not waiting around for anybody and we want you to just do your best right now. And you got to get people to live in the, in the now, and you got to get them to have a constant reset state of mind. So football is a reset game. You know, you got to do your best right now, and then you got to reset it and do it again. Right. You know, you're not looking five plays away. Um, it's just, what are you doing right now? Well, if you're doing it to make it your best, you know, and I don't care if it's a paper or, um, you know, it's a football play. If you're doing it, live in it right now and make it your best work. And then when it's over, reset yourself and, and do it again or move on to the next thing. And if you find yourself getting distracted, just reset yourself, say, you know what, I got to do my best right now. And that's kind of getting the guys to live in the now. And that's what we expect of them. I'm a firm believer that it's easy to react. It takes toughness of mind. It takes discipline of mind to be able to stop, to think, and to intentionally respond. So, yeah, I so I that. love that, that. And that takes, right. That takes mental discipline. So I, so I, I'm in complete alignment with you there, coach. And I love that, that you're preaching that message. Yeah. I like the way you worded it better than me, to be honest, that, <laughs> that was excellent. Um, yeah, toughness, like I said, could be showing vulnerability, but other ways we define it, it could be walking away from an altercation. Mm-hmm. And when we get kids coming to our program in grade nine and, and you know, they kind of tell us what they think toughness is. It's, you know, the guy who can lift the most weight or beat up the, you know, the toughest guy in a fight. And, you know, I get it. Physical toughness on the football field is an important thing. But uh, again, like you said, that ability to walk away from an altercation and, and be bigger than your ego especially as a teenage boy with testosterone pumping through you and peer pressure. I mean, we really teach our kids that that is toughness. Mm-hmm. It could be having a difficult conversation as well. Um, so many people just shy away from those or avoid them. And in my experience, that just compounds problems in your life. Um, but we want to attack those head on. Uh, reminds me of a, a, I don't know if any other coaches out there have read that book, The Twin Thieves that just came out, um, but I, I'd highly recommend it but there's a story in there about in the the plains of Colorado, you have cows and buffaloes both living there. And when a storm comes over the plains, the cows run away from the storm. And by running away from the storm, it actually prolongs the amount of time they're in the storm because now they're running with it. Whereas the buffalo, when they see a storm, they go head on and they attack it. So they're actually shortening their time in the storm. So, I mean, that's a message we're going to relate to our athletes, you know, be the buffalo. When there's a challenge, don't run away from it, attack it. And and Mm -hmm. really that will shorten your pain and, and produce better outcomes. Well, and again, I, I think you bring up, again, a valuable life principle that will allow anyone to succeed, not only on the football field, but in the game of life, right? And, you know, I even think back to this idea of you're a ball carrier and you have a defender in your way. The only way to the end zone is to run through the ball carrier, right? You can stop your feet. You're going to get hit. You're going to get smacked. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot more painful than just, again, pump it right lowering the shoulder getting those driving those knees and just you know and great and analogy right great analogy so, yeah so many of these on the football field applied to life and there's just one example yeah absolutely so one of the things that sort of uh you know speaking along that that toughness theme that tough people win is i love seeing you highlighting what the athletes that what the athletes are doing in the off season. Like it's pretty impressive when you see just again, that mental discipline for the athletes to be lifting and, and not doing like, you know, what, 
you know, I mean, we both taught for a long time and coach that the easy thing to do is go in there and do the bicep curls, do the show muscles <laughs> yeah. where when I, when I watch again, the athletes in at Cora, they're doing the squats, they're doing the bench, they're doing the deadlifts, they're doing, they're doing the, the big five. So yes. how have you, with that, how has it been like, has that always been a big emphasis at Cora or is that something that's transitioned um, over the last few years? Uh, good question. Now, again, I, I love strength training. I've always, yeah. um, it's a passion of mine. And I think that's one of my ways to put my stamp on the program. But I mean, everyone knows the great programs are strong. And, and I think, especially at the high school level is where you can have the biggest impact uh, on these kids. So when I first started at Cora, we, we didn't even really have a weight room. So, or what, not much of a weight room. So a uh, big part of it starting was building it. Uh, we were fortunate. I, we applied for a grant and got a huge grant to build it. Um, but we're constantly finding sources. And, and once we built it a bit and kids started buying in, then our administration started understanding this is an important place. Like after school, like this is where kids that had nowhere to go come and they're physically transforming their bodies, which again, in turn is transforming their self-confidence and then applying to all areas of their life. Um, as much as I love football, and I'll, admittedly, most of our lifters are football players, but we have had plenty of lifters that are not athletes at all. And they've come back to me after and, and talked about, you know, how getting in that weight room and just seeing progress has completely changed my self-confidence, um, you know, and, and applied to other parts of my life, you know, that growth mindset where I can change my body or I can put in work and get results. So, you know, I, I think football's maybe one and weight rooms, maybe one B one, a one B I think they're both great tools. I mean, every coach can, can, you know, influence people and improve their lives and their distinct respective sports. I think those two are very unique though. And I'm fortunate that they both kind of meld in our program. Um, but yeah, we, we've, like you said, we focus on the core lifts. Um, I think, uh, you go on Instagram and social media now, and there's a lot of people almost feel like doing exercises for show. And it's easy for a young kid to get caught up in that trap or see a pro athlete doing something fancy, but, and that's fine and good for top athletes, but the majority of the demographic we're working with, they just need to get stronger. So we focus on squats, deadlifts, push press, bench and rows, and that's the foundation. And we'll mix in some of the other stuff for fun, right? Cause kids, mm. kids like it, but uh, it's kind of drilled into our kids or ingrained in their DNA almost that these are the lifts that give you the most bang for your buck. Like 80% of your results, especially as a teenager are gonna come from doing this. Uh, and they bought into it and <clears throat> the results we've gotten speak for themselves. I think that's helped too, right? Kids, you know, put their trust in us and, and they see the people who've come before them. And some of the weights these kids are lifting now is, is, is mind blowing. The ones who buy in right from grade nine and consistently come, they're all getting phenomenal results. And again, that permeates through the school. People see that. The best motivator in the world, I think for a high school kid in the weight room is seeing progress too. That's one of the reasons why I like to hype that up as well. Kids don't like to, uh, some anyway, don't like to post themselves lifting because they kind of get like, we get it, your strong comments or show yeah. off. But when I post it, it's, it's uh, you know, out of their control, but they, they do secretly, I know they, they appreciate it. 
because then they'll get a teacher say come to school like hey i saw you on the instagram that's an incredible pr deadlift and then they're feeling a little better and then you know maybe a a, a girl in the hallway who they been trying to catch her eye makes a comment or they see their t-shirt getting a little tighter on their arms once they see that we got them they're hooked um so the big thing though is the culture is getting kids to buy in and come uh a challenge we've had always, and I know every high school deals with this too, is they'll say, okay, coach, why work out at this gym in, in town instead? I don't need to come to yours. And that was something we really had to be um, intentional about that, that we want you here with your teammates. I'm not saying you can still go to your trainer, but we need you here when we're training because it, it's about yeah. being with your teammates. And, you know, it doesn't take them long to realize that competitive atmosphere and positive atmosphere is going to get them better results being with all their teammates and the energy and the juice. And we got the music pumping. I mean, it's just so hard to replicate that when you're training in a, a gym with, you know, just people in the community and it's kind of quieter. So uh, we have something special going on in our weight room and it's a huge part of our culture and it's a massive reason for our success. Mm-hmm. You know, the messaging we say or the slogans we put on the wall, how are we acting and what are we rewarding? They're going to know right away. And, and another thing I learned from a great coach a long time ago was, and I try to use this in my practice, in my practice sessions now, is it, it's not what you teach that matters. It's what you emphasize. So, again, coming back to coaching life through football, you know, you know I coach offensive line. That's my world. And so everyone's got their, their knowledge base. But it's all kind of the same thing. It's, you know, you're going to teach your technique. But then I'm I'm big with ours is where are your eyes going? And so we're going to hammer in on, on the importance of, of a visual contact to a target. And I'm trying to let them know that where, where, where focus goes, energy flows. And that's going to be a universal trait in life now. So your eyes are wandering, your energy is wandering, your energy is wandering, everything's wandering, and there's no precision. And we can't now measure to improve because we don't know what we're trying to do. There was no purpose behind your action. You're just sort of hoping for the best. Now I'm hoping that's a universal trait now. What's the plan? Where's the focus? Where's the attention? And then you look, did we, did it work? No, what went wrong on the scale? Well, I don't even know what I was looking at. Well, how do we coach? How do we improve? How do mm-hmm. we measure? And so, you know, it's a kid going, look, this is what I want to get done. Okay. So where let, let, let's, let's make it specific fun. Where are we trying to go? There's the target. Okay. Let's do everything we can to help you hit it. And here's all the little techniques, but remember it's where focus goes. Energy is going to flow. So where are we focusing? So in football, it's the eyes on this near shoulder. That's football. When they learn that, they put that in everything they do. Mm-hmm. And then they send the power saying, oh, I'd like to do this. Okay, fine. Where's your focus going though? I don't know. Good luck. Let's focus in on, on what, we, what we deem most important. And if we hit it, let's see if it worked. Then we learned something. Or if it didn't, maybe we put the focus in the wrong spot. And they'll learn that in blocking. Ah, it was a shoulder. Okay, let's move it to the number. That worked. Good. So we, re- we redirect focus. To me, that's a, trying to teach a life lesson there. Uh, through through coaching a sport, right? What am I emphasizing? Other guys are, you know, you got to drive this guy so we get the ball down the field. Well, now you kid just, there's nothing beyond just blocking somebody. Mm-hmm. That should be a teaching point or hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, like, as you shared that, right? Like just given that, that football analogy there, I thought of, again, for you, it's about teaching universal principles. It's, it's about teaching these greater life lessons so that, again, yes, they can apply it. It'll, it'll help them become successful in the football field, but more importantly, in the game of life. So, so I'm curious, as you discussed, one of the things, as I mentioned before we came on here, that really resonated with me is, again, you talked about this, uh, the importance of, of teaching to uh, embody, demonstrate certain characteristics, certain qualities, right? And again, 
from within. So I'm curious, what has that messaging like? Because you speak to a lot of coaches. Are, are most coaches open to those ideas of focusing more on the person, meeting them where they're at, you know, qualities, characteristics, as opposed to just X's and O's and, and schemes and everything? I, I think, well, I think it comes down to, are you forced into this conversation with me or are you, are you wanting to? And if you're wanting to, then you're open to it. Yeah. But, you know, and here's the, here's the truth. And I, it's, it's nobody's fault. I think most people are always open to something they think will work. But yeah. then who consciously sits down and works on themselves to actually start trying to implement it and then measure it and review it, right? We, I mean, I'll listen. I'll, we're all guilty of it. We listen to stuff like, that's a great idea. And then, you're, and then you, it's a memory of a nice thing and you didn't change your life, but you're like, that, yeah, I agree with you, 100%. That, that's really smart. Okay, did you do anything with it? Like, did you sit down now and go, I am now going to consciously start implementing this mm-hmm. into my days? Like, you know, I'll, I'll give you guys a little cheat sheet from a keynote I give that I don't think you've probably never seen it. And I talk about uh, uh, three things I believe everybody needs. And I was taught by a coach this, that everybody needs to, to, to know they belong. If they don't think they belong, then forget it, right? They're, they're, they're going to feel like an outsider. And you can do that as a leader. You can do it beyond giving them a t-shirt. That that becomes making sure they, they, they feel valued, right? Are they, are they, are they, do they have a purpose in this group? Otherwise, what are they doing here? Everybody needs to know someone believes in them. That isn't their mom. And they need to know that they can't just be like, well, I'm sure they know that I'm, I'm sure they know that really Do you tell them, Do you tell them often people forget Do you tell them all the time, or are you just kind of hoping they know, and they need to know they can. And so that's, have you taught them a skill that actually has enabled them to improve what they do? And then once you teach them that, then they think, well, what else can't I learn anything you want, right? If you can show them one thing, but here's my one I give to leaders is, uh, you know, kind of a daily check-in that I try to do. And, and I think you spoke earlier about, you know, being being grateful for everything in life. And, and to me, I, I, I try to expand that, expand that to being thankful, thankful to others. So I, I try to really put it to people because I'm grateful for things, but a lot of them are, are, are um, you know, they're kind of, they're hard to personally thank. I'm thankful yeah. I, have, I have air today and I'm breathing and like, <laughs> that's good, that's yeah. good. But I, I'm more of a human guy, right? So I, I, wanna, I wanna explicitly make sure someone knows how well they've, how much they've affected me. And it was Coach Dan's, I mean, anyone's read my book, it was Coach Dan's letters that remind me, I have 210 letters at home that he used to write his guys for every single game, handwritten, right? And they show up in our in our door. Ah, we're pro athletes, this is our job. But he wanted to remind us how proud he is of us, how he believes in us. And like, you know, two minutes, I'm like, it never a week went by that I didn't know he has my back. And he's probably gonna have to, probably have to cut me one day, yell at me, he's not always gonna write, but he believes in me as a human being. And it never stopped reminding him like that, that's so powerful. But anyways, I, I talk to leaders that I work with in businesses and, and uh, I say, listen, here's a little daily check-in for you. Like, who, who, who can I thank today? And people are like, oh, I thank you all the time. Well, just, is it part of your to-do list? Like, actually put it down. So like, oh, I do that. Ah, I forgot last day's day. Make it part of your to-do list. Like, actually make it happen. Who can you thank today? I don't care if it's a text. I don't care if it's a phone call. If every single day you do that, that's 365 guaranteed thank yous a year to somebody. That's powerful, okay? Because they're like, oh, they know I'm thankful. Tell them, tell them, today, right now, before you have a coffee. Just, And I don't care if it sounds uh, crude, take it off the list because you actually believe in it, but this list reminds you to do it, right? Because it's like, oh, he said, that's a good idea. Then put it on your list and do it and see if it worked. And then instead of going, yeah, that was a good idea, but I didn't have time to fit that in because you didn't fit it in. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, thank somebody. Uh, who can I thank? Uh, who can I reach out to that I haven't in a long time? You know, oh, you think of your old friends, send them a note. Call them. Actually, do it. Don't just be like, oh yeah, 
it'd be great to reach out to the person. Get on the list, get it done. Watch what'll happen in your life when you actually take action on things that are good ideas, right? Um, mm -hmm. Who can offer? Who can I offer? Who can I offer to help today? Just randomly. Could you imagine as a leader, you go in your organization, and go, hey, uh, hey, hey, JT, uh, what, what can I do to help you today? Any, any work I can take off your plate? Imagine if you just ask somebody that. Put on your list. Ask someone every single day. You'll probably get a nothing, but you'll imagine what you'll do for the connectivity of that person. Going, this guy cares about me. Yeah, put it on your list, right? And, and and who and who can I who can I congratulate for whatever? If you did that every single day, that's three hundred sixty-five four positive reinforcements you give to four different people again and again and again. And say those are great ideas. Put it on your list and get it done every single day. It'll take you five minutes. The compounding effect of that, and then after probably a month and a half, you won't have to look at your list anymore. It's what you do. So again. It's not what you believe is good. It's not, it's not agreeing with ideas. What do you do? And what do you consistently do? Because I know people too, the work maybe may even worse than never doing any stuff is randomly doing team building sessions. And the guy goes, we're just wasting our time. You're right. What do you do every day? You know, uh, Dan, Dan Gable, one of the uh, legendary wrestler out of the US, I, I, will, I always throw him up there as maybe one of the greatest competitors in sports history. And he's a great man to study if you want to understand competitiveness. Uh, he has a great quote that says, if it's important, do it every single day. If you love your wife, tell her every single day. If you love your kids, tell them, I love you every single day. And his, you know, if, if you work out, you work out every single day, eating right, then you get right every single day. Like if it matters to you, we, we spoke earlier about um, what do you do? Because we prioritize that. Well, whatever is actually important, do it every single day. Don't have a weekend retreat four times a year where you, you do nice things and have nice feelings. I mean, just go to a nice concert and have a good memory then. What do you do every single day? That is who you are. That's who your team is, is your culture. And map that out. So people talk about culture and this and that. What do you want? Put it down and do it. And then review these things going, is this the kind of world I want to live in? Then maybe, maybe, maybe we should try this. Then put it down and do it. And review it. And go, this is improving life for people. Or this isn't. And get rid of it. Don't hang on to it because, whoa, this is, we've done this forever around here. Get rid of it. Is it making things better? Is putting that in your mouth making your life better? Is saying that word making your life better? You know, is, is, is that action going to help? Uh, someone asked me before about, and I do, a, I, do a, uh, I do a lot of work with companies on like bullying and abuse in the workplace. And people are like, oh, now it's all politically correct, a hypersensitive. I said, look, two things. One, no, but you have to be aware that not everybody's you. So what's funny to you might not be funny. So, so stop being so arrogant, thinking that everybody's you and everyone's has your privileges, your upbringing, your support systems, and like, you know, one. But two, just think before it leaves your mouth, will this help them? If not, why say it? W could this help them? And sometimes a joke to them will help them. But you better damn well know the person. So that's going to force you to know them. Because how do I know it's going to help you, JT, until I know you? Now I get to get to know you. Now it's harder just being an ass around you because I know you. So now I'm going to start to care about mm -hmm. you. Now you're an individual and I'm going to learn what makes you tick and what your issues are and problems. So now I have better awareness of how to communicate with you. See how that works, right? How's it going to help them? How am I going to know? Well, you, well, then if you don't even know them, why say anything? Get to damn know them. Ask them some questions. Most open-ended caring questions aren't going to hurt anybody. They're actually going to build bridges. Start there. Is this going to help them? And if you're not 100% sure, tread caution till you know, then you know. So as a coaching 101 is get to know your players and then constantly ask yourself, how can I help them? And you're like, I'm not sure. Then I better get to know them better. Then you'll learn. 
then every interaction should be, how can I help them become a better person? Whatever that means, right? Whatever that means to each individual. And I think the greatest hardship of coaching, particularly sport like football, is, wow, I got 60 players. You know, we can't do that. This is how we do things. And, and that, that, that is a challenge. So, you know, on some level, how do you have your, your, your standards as a team, but understanding everyone's an individual and how can I help each individual get to my standard instead of saying, it's up to you to figure it out. Well, then you're the coach. You're going to put the responsibility on the players to figure it out. I thought you're their leader. Your job is to help them get to where they need to get to, to be their best, right? Or something.